God said, let there be light. And there was light. Strong words resonate. Echo of the waves appear in the sky. Their light reflected in your eyes. The sound of your voice, compassionate embrace. Words never fade away. They echo on for eternity. Let your echo ring. The glory which you have given me, I have given them that they may be one just as we are one. Be aware of his presence. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Echo from heaven, echo from heaven to earth. Echo earth to heaven. Well, amen. Good to see you today. How's everybody? Y'all doing good? You know, uh, Pastor Nate, I just got to tell you, I really do appreciate you and Erica. And, uh, uh, you know, when you were standing up there, I looked over at my wife, you know, and he's got this sport coat on, right? Pastor Nate's got this cool sport coat on. I said, how come Pastor Nate looks cool in a sport coat that's too small? And I just look fat when I put a sport coat on. This too. I don't... Have you ever wondered about that? It's just like, I don't understand life, you know? But anyway, I do appreciate you even looking cool in a sport coat that was made for, for uh, your little boy, River. But, uh, <laughs> amen, amen, right? All right, I don't know, some people just look cool at anything, right? You know, I look in the mirror and go, oh, Lord, what happened? But anyway, let's get on to the subject. I want to talk to you about faith. How many of you want to hear about faith today? How many of you like to have some faith to move some mountains? Amen. Anybody got a mountain you want to see moved? You know, I have uh, been on this faith journey, obviously, since the day I came to faith in Christ. And along the journey, I, I've kind of watched what happens in me and try to sort through kind of the way God has gifted me and the way that God has wired me and all of those things. And I've observed people that have different giftings. And a lot of times I've looked and thought, you know, I wish I could do that. I wish I had that gift. I wish I had this. And, and God would just keep reminding me, no, you have what you have. And, and, and along the journey, I've really come to an understanding and a belief that one of my gifts in my gift mix is a gift of faith. Because I've, I've had people say, do you think you have a gift of healing? And I said, I don't believe I do. I'd love to have that gift. We've seen a lot of people heal, but I think I have a gift of faith. And I think the way that that gift is most manifest in the church is that I become a catalyst for you to exercise faith. See, that's how gifts are supposed to minister to the body, right? They're supposed to help you go further with where, wherever you are in life. And so if I have a gift of faith, not only does it give me the ability to trust God for some things, but primarily to serve you to say, wow, if, if that's true or if that catalyst can work in his life, it can work in my life. That faith can work in their life, work in my life. So I want you to understand that as I begin to kind of tell you the journey, and I want to tell a few stories here that I, I think are pretty cool. This, uh, this past week, we were able to get uh, a van for, uh, for the church, and I know the students are excited, children are going to be excited. It's going to be an exciting time, and 
just want to thank all of you who contributed toward that. I want to thank my friend Jack over there who just kind of helped me make all that deal happen. And I, I want to tell one story. We're down at the dealership, and we're talking to the, uh, a guy named Bill. And Bill just says to me on one of the, one of the moments of the conversation as we're waiting for the car and so forth, he said, uh, well, tell me about your church. And I thought, okay, how do I do this in like five minutes or less? And so I gave him really kind of the, the, the view of, okay, we started in the living room. We had no money. We had no assets. I kind of went all that through thing. And, and uh, I, he got done, and he goes, uh, that's amazing. And when he said that, it was like the Spirit of God says, said to me, is it amazing to you, son? Because what I do needs to be amazing to you too. And as I thought about it, I thought, you know, God, I am really amazed at what you've done and how far you've brought us in, in just four years. But, God, I never want to lose that, that newness, you know? I was driving home in this van, and it's such a cool van. I mean, it's just got, like, high ceilings, and it's got air conditioning and floor mats and all the cool stuff that cars have, but it's got something mine doesn't have. It smells new, right? I mean, my car is a, is a 2002, right? It doesn't smell new anymore. And I, well, it doesn't smell bad. I'm laughing like that. Make me feel bad. I've got to go get a new car. Anyway, so I, I'm driving in it, and, it's, and I said, God, it smells new. And it's like the Lord said to me, yeah, but wait till I get 15 students in there. It won't smell new no more. That, I'll take care of that problem. Amen. But he said, no, you know what? I want, I want my works in your life to always smell new. I want you to always be amazing. So on Tuesday, I was, uh, that word amazing kind of it came up in multiple conversations, but on Tuesday, I'm in the coffee shop getting ready for a staff meeting, and I, I reach in my pocket, and I pull out my phone, and there's a guy there who I don't know, and he goes, hey, cool phone. And I'm thinking, it's kind of weird. I mean, guys just don't do that. Now, ladies, they might go, oh, nice phone, nice purse, good shoes. You know, there's some things guys just don't do. I don't want a guy looking at my phone case telling me it's a nice phone case. It's kind of like I don't invite a guy to go to the bathroom with me either. You know, I mean, you ladies think it's totally normal, but, you know, I'm not like looking over and going, hey, you want to go to the bathroom? <laughs> See, there are just some things that don't happen, and when you get in there, I mean, if you happen to both show up at the same time, it's okay. There just cannot be an invite from one guy to another guy. <laughs> right? Now, when you get in there, there are other rules. The other rule is you don't talk to the guy in the next stall. Amen? Am I right, guys? <laughs> guy looked at me, talked to me. I said, don't be talking to me here. You go outside. You wait till I get outside. We'll talk. So where I started with this was, I pull out my phone, a guy goes, cool, phone case. And I, I don't know how to respond. You know, I go, oh, thanks. And he goes, well, I work for Tech 21. And I'm thinking, then it occurred to me, my phone case is Tech 21. And I go, oh, I get it. You know, phone case, you know it. Yes, and it's got the little shirt, Tech 21. And I said, so I don't know what to say. So in an awkward moment, I say, have you seen our prayer wall? Amen? Have you seen our prayer wall? He goes, no, what's that? And so I walk him in here, Stafford just getting ready to assemble, and he walks in, and we just kind of get in those two double doors, and he looks down across it, and all he really sees is the stones. And he goes, oh, that's neat. And I go, well, just get a little closer and look at all the prayer requests, and he goes, that's amazing. 
And I realized as we started talking about it, it's amazing because it's a touch point for the power of God. It represents the love, the hurt, the pain, the challenges that you have or your friends have, and they put into that wall. And it's a, it's an, it's an, it's an, it's a symbol, right? Not just a touch point of the power of God. It's a symbol of what God does when God does the impossible. Amen? And we're going to hear about some of those stories today. So I'm going to talk to you about faith. I want to talk to you, first of all, I want to give you three quick laws. First of the law of the invisible. The law of the invisible. If you're going to understand the Christian faith, you have to understand the law of the invisible. And what that really, really comes down to is this. You have to believe in what you cannot see in order to see what you believe. You got that? You have to believe what you cannot see in order to see what you believe. God operates in a sphere outside and inside the natural realm. He is in the supernatural and the natural, and they merge together. That's why Jesus said, when you pray, say, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. And in the Greek, it is a tense that means it's coming. It's like a train. It's here. It's not all here. It's going gonna, it's gonna to run through your life. It's going to be like a fast-moving train. It's here. It's not all here. And that's what you have to understand about God's kingdom. It's here, but it's not all here. And there will come a point in which the kingdom of God will become the king, all the kingdoms of the earth, earthly, will become the kingdoms of our Lord and of our Christ, and we shall reign with him forever and ever. Amen. And it says, and I, John said, and I saw New Jerusalem coming down out of heaven. Now think about this. As a bride adorned for her husband, right? And coming down and merging with a new earth, God creating a new heaven, a new earth, and God always wanted to merge the two. And when we pray, we bring those two together in faith. We have to understand the law of the invisible. We have to secondly understand the law of reward. God loves to reward his children. That's hard for us to understand. Sometimes people will pray and say, well, I don't really ask God for that because that sounds selfish. You see, once you understand the goodness of the Father, then very few of your prayers ever become selfish. In fact, when you pray a selfish prayer, the Holy Spirit is pretty good at weeding those out in your own life, isn't he? I mean, try to pray a selfish prayer for a long time. Right? It just doesn't last. I mean, I prayed for a Ferrari, and it lasted about eight seconds. God said, you don't need a Ferrari. I said, okay, well, how about a Lamborghini? No, you don't need one of those either. I said, well, we, we, we're moving down the scale here. What do we stop, you know? But you see, here's the, when you understand the goodness of the Father, let me illustrate it with the prodigal son. Everybody know the story of the prodigal son? Kind of heard a little bit about it, right? Okay, so the idea is there's this prodigal son. He comes to his father. He says to his father, give me my inheritance. Give me what's coming to me. Now, what's amazing is the father gives it to him. Typically, that happens at death. That transfer of wealth happens at death. The father says, okay, I'm going to give you half what is coming to you. I'm going to give it to you right now. And the father knows good and well the boy is going to go out and squander it because he knows his boy. He's raised him. The amazing thing is the father gives him the money because he's a good father. Now, you might say, that doesn't sound like a good father. In a moment, I'm going to show you why that's a good father. So the boy goes off. He takes all the money. He spends it. He finally finds himself in a bad situation. He's feeding pigs in a foreign land. He's out of money. He's hungry. He wants to eat what the pigs are eating because they're eating better than him. And it says he came to his senses and he said, I'm going to go back and I'm going to be like one of my servants for my father because they have it better than I have it here. 
The reason he said that was because he didn't know the goodness of the Father. That's why he left in the first place. If he knew the goodness of the Father, he never would have left. In the far country, if he knew the goodness of the Father, he wouldn't have said, I want to go back and be like a servant. Because once you understand the goodness of the Father, servanthood is never an option. It's sonship. See how that works? When I enter into sonship, it's a whole different world. So he comes back. Here comes the boy back. The father sees him from a distance. He runs out to greet him. The boy tries to unload on him how he had messed up. The father will have no time for that at all. He says, go out and get the ring, get the fatted calf, put a robe on him, shoes on his feet, for this is my son that was lost and now has been found. This story has very little to do about a prodigal coming home. It has everything to do with about the goodness of the father. What kind of father would do that? Why didn't that father lecture him? Why didn't that father give him three life lessons? Why didn't that father get, scold him and tell him, you know, you spent all your money, you're not getting any more? You see, the son didn't understand the goodness of the father, and you and I don't understand the goodness of the father because it doesn't make sense. We think that's a bad father. We think that's a bad father because we think we're a good father because we look from a different value system. God's not worried about the money. He's worried about your heart. If you don't understand the goodness of the father, you'll never understand anything else that God's up to. Now watch this. Now enters the older brother. He's mad. He's mad because now this worthless son of the father has come back and he's got a new robe, a ring, the fatted calf, shoes on his feet, and they're all rejoicing and having a party, and he refuses to go into the party. He refuses to go into the party because now he thinks the, the father that he once thought was good is bad because a, a good father wouldn't do what he did. So now he... Has, is judging the goodness of the father based on his idea of what the father's supposed to be like. This is foundational. Once you get this, just start to get this, it'll, it'll influence everything in your life. He says to him, son. He didn't say to him, slave. Son. The second thing he says to him, I have been with you always. It's the principle of the goodness of the Father. The Father never leaves you, forsakes you. And then he says, everything I have is yours. The divine inheritance. We are joint heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ, joint heirs of God and, joint, and, and heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. We have the inheritance of the Father. The goodness of the Father is, so when, when we pray, we say, well, I don't want to pray for that because that seems selfish. My kids come to me and they go, hey, Dad, can I have this when they were little? And, and I tried every way I could to make that possible. If, I, if it was unreasonable, I tried to recalibrate re, re their thinking to get them what was possible, what was realistic. But I would go out of my way to try to make it possible for my kids because I loved them, and I wanted them to understand the goodness of the Father. Now, if you have daughters, you're just in a mess. Right, guys? Uh, anybody, anybody to testify? You got girls, you just got trouble. My daughter's in her late 20s, our daughter's in her late 20s. She calls me, she goes, Daddy. All she has to do is say, Daddy, and I'm getting the checkbook out. <laughs> I don't got a chance. Boys call, hey, how you doing? I'm doing fine. Hey, could I borrow 20 bucks not on your life? You're a grown man. You got to grow up. You got to take care of your own self. Don't be calling me now. You be sending me some money. I need some money. Why don't you take me out to dinner, right? My daughter, okay, yeah, I can do that, baby. I don't get it, but the law of favor. Here's the third law, the law of favor. law of favor is that God brings favor on people, and it doesn't even make sense sometimes. 
Sometimes God will put favor on somebody, and I'll go, God, I don't like you putting favor on them. Why are you putting? I don't even like them. God says, well, I like them. I see something you don't see. Well, you're going to have to show me because I don't get it. I think I deserve that favor. You ever done that? Why are you favoring that guy? Why are you blessing that guy? Why are you taking care of that guy? Why don't you take care of me? God says, God, I wanna, I'll ruin you with that. Emerson said, for every, every 99 people who can handle adversity, only one can handle prosperity. Do you ever think the very thing that you get envious of of somebody else, if God gave it to you, it'd ruin you? See, the goodness of the Father is worried about what's in the, in the future, not when the present. He's training you up. He's training up many sons of glory. That's what he says. Their calling is for many sons of glory. That's sons and daughters of glory. Your, your calling is eternal. It's not temporal. That's a principle of faith. Remember the first law, the law of the invisible. All right, let's get into the message. That's the preamble. Amen? Preamble. Okay. It's the slowest listening crowd I've ever had in my life. Faith is substance. In the English, that word sub means under, stance, stand, something you stand on. It's a pretty good definition of faith. Faith is substance. It's something you stand on. When we think about faith as being substance, it's the reality. When we say something has substance, it has reality. So here's what it says in Scripture, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for. Do you hope for things? Do you dream for things? This is not the wishy-washy kind of faith of the world. This is confident assurance that which God has promised God will provide. That's hope in the Bible. Okay? So God created you with a divine dissatisfaction for the way things are so that what happens is when your heart starts to yearn for that which only God can provide, faith kicks in, you begin to understand the faith principle, and you operate the way God wants you to operate. It's the evidence of things not seen. So what's my evidence? My evidence is faith. When I have faith, I have evidence. It doesn't seem like that because we're used to thinking about that which we see, that's what's real. No, he says that which is unseen is what's real. We'll show you that in a minute. Bill Johnson put it like this. My faith is not an abiding faith. It's active. So your faith is not just an abiding. I have an abiding faith that says I know I'm going to heaven. I know that God loves me. I know that God saved me. That's abiding faith. But faith can't stop there. It has to be aggressive. It has to, be, it has to go after something. It's active. It's an aggressive by nature. It has focus. It has purpose. Faith grabs hold of the reality of the kingdom of God and forcefully and violently brings it into um, collision with the natural one. An inferior kingdom cannot stand. When I pray, what I'm doing is I'm bringing the power of God into the natural world, and it's overpowering it because faith overpowers it. Now, let me tell you something. When you start to exercise faith, you will have doubt that will come up or you wondered where it came from. There's so many times when I'm praying for someone who's sick and, I'm, and I'll hear this little natural voice in my head going, you know they're not going to get well. They're sick. They got a big problem. You should have got the guy with the small problem. And I know that's the voice of the enemy. And I'll go, you're a liar. And I'll just say in Jesus' name be healed. That's just what I do. Because if I don't speak out faith, my little inner voice will take it all away from me. You know what doubt's like? You can't afford to have doubt in your life. You ever, now, I know this is kind of a foreign concept for people in California, but we've lived in a lot of places where it did a lot of bad stuff in the wintertime called snow, right? I never complain about it. I love the heat. 
All you got to do is live in about 30 degree below weather, and you know you love heat, right? Okay, now, I'm talking to my Canadian friends over here. All right, now, so anyway, what you do is when you get snow, you start to roll it into a snowball. Anybody ever seen this phenomena? You've seen the phenomena. One person raises their hand. Are you kidding me? Uh, you've seen it on TV. Okay. So what you do is you take and you start to roll the snowball, and it gets bigger and bigger. And as it rolls, it finally gets to a place where you can't hardly move it. It's so heavy. It's just this giant jug of frozen water, right? But you get it on a hill. The key is to get it on a hill. Get on the hill, and you start to roll it, and it'll start going down that hill, and everything that's in its path, it'll pick up. It'll pick up sticks and weeds and cups. It'll pick up snow, and it gets to the bottom, and then it's immovable. Let me tell you something. That's what doubt's like. When you get doubt in your life, you start to roll a little snowball up, and you can move it around pretty good, and you don't worry about it, and it gets bigger and bigger, and finally it gets momentum. It starts rolling down the hill, and it's picking up junk all down the hill, and you get to the bottom of the hill and go, what do I do with it? I have so much doubt I can't believe. Don't let it get started. Reject it before it gets any, any foothold in your life. Let, let faith take it. I, don't, I can't afford to have people put doubt in my mind. People say, well, do you think that's really going to work? And I just say, and in my voice I'm going, don't listen to them. Listen to God. Listen to faith. I mean, sometimes I have so much doubt, I just have to speak faith out. There have been times in the planting of this church where I just didn't, I didn't have, man, I didn't know if this thing was going to work or not. I mean, the goal is just to have somebody show up next week. Amen? When you're starting something, that's kind of a good goal. What are we going to do if nobody shows up? I guess we'll go home, get the Sunday off. But you know what I do? I'd get up and i say, God's going to do this. We're 13 months into this. We put an offer on this building. I just said, God's going to do it. How's he going to do it? I don't know. Told the realtor it's a cash deal. Didn't have any cash. You say, that's stupid. I know. I do stupid stuff. I'm not stupid enough to get a coat that's too small for me like Nate, but I, I do stupid stuff. Amen? You probably got a good deal on that, brother. That's probably why you bought it. All right. 2 Corinthians 4.18. We do not look to the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. Now watch this, spiritual principle. For the things which are seen are temporal. You see, everything you see is temporary temporary. It's not going to last, right? I don't see your eternal soul, but it will last forever. This physical body won't last forever, but my eternal soul will. But the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. When you begin to pray, you want to really, you want to really mess with somebody, pray for them. I love this quote from uh, J. Uh, Sidwell Baxter. He said, men may spurn our appeals, reject our message, oppose our arguments, despise our persons, but they are helpless against our prayers. You just begin to pray, and what you're doing is you're calling on God to move their heart for the kingdom, to transform their life. I mean, they can, they, you can argue all you want. You're not going to win it. Just pray for them. Is there anything worse than somebody, when you're like in rebellion, somebody comes up and goes, I'm praying for you? Don't you hate to hear that? You know why? Because you know they're going to win. Dang it. Let's just argue. Let's fist fight. I'd rather fist fight than have you pray for me. I've had people say, don't be praying for me. This makes me more tenacious to go pray for him. Amen? I'll show you. I'm going to double up my prayer time just to prove something here. 
Faith, now watch this, faith is a mirror of the heart. Look at your faith, it mirrors your heart. This is such a powerful principle. We think that our heart, the mirror of our heart is our good deeds, it's not. People without God can do good deeds. It's faith is the mirror. What you wanna know is God doing what you're believing God for. You see, faith is seeing those things which are not and calling them as though they are. It's saying it's not so in order for it to be so. That's faith. It's walking on the borderline of disaster expecting to God, for God to come through. And if he doesn't, you have no other options. That's faith. You don't need great faith, you need a little faith. You just need to use what faith you have. Hebrews chapter 11, verse three, by faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen are not made out of the things which are visible. You know how God made the, the visible universe? Out of the things that were invisible. Now think about that. He spoke the world into existence with the invisible stuff. See, that's faith. When you speak, guess what? Your mouth, you're speaking. Do you know that God has given to us the ability to pray and to move the kingdom of God? Do you know he didn't give that to angels? Angels never pray. Angels only worship. You ever see angels praying? Ever see an angel? Now lay me down to sleep. They ain't doing that. They're saying, holy, 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 holy. And then they're looking into the lives of the redeemed mankind, and they're going, look at them pray, and look how God's heart is moved because they pray, and look how God transforms society because they pray. They have, God has empowered us with this amazing power called prayer that's activated and powered by faith. Wow, how exciting is that? Romans chapter 10, verse 17. This is really good now. Can you say this is really good now? Okay, it's the scripture, so that's how I, I'm not saying I'm good, I'm saying it's good, all right? So faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Now what's interesting, I wanna show you the scripture up here. You notice the word word there? We think it's this right here. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So you mean when I read this Bible, I get more faith? No, that's not what it says. There's two words for the word word in the Bible. One is the word logos, the other one is a word rima. Rima means a word from the word. In other words, it says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the hear, heard word, the revealed word of God. So I'm reading the Bible, and then the Spirit of God says, that's for you. That's how my faith goes up. You see that? Now let me give you a couple of illustrations of that. So Jesus is going into the wilderness. He's being led by the devil. Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 3 sets that up goes into the desert, and he's being led by the Spirit of God to be tempted of the devil. The devil comes to him. He's hungry. He's been, he's been fasting for 40 days, right? Jesus says. And the first temptation, Satan comes to him and he says, if you are the Son of God, command these stones, they be turned into bread. Every temptation you're going to face is going to be over two things in your life. One is going to be money. This is the things you're going to struggle with the most. Money, and the second one is health. I would say that probably 90% of your prayers focus around those two issues. The only way you're going to overcome is you're going to have to have a shield of faith. You're going to have to have faith that overcomes these things. So the enemy comes and he says, if you are the son of God, command these stones, they be turned into bread. He knew he was hungry. He says, all right, why don't you just prove that I'm right and that you can turn these stones into bread? Jesus says, he quotes from Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verse 3. He says, thus it is written, you sh man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Right? 
it doesn't say, Jesus doesn't say this. He uses the word, guess what, Rima. So what happens is in that moment of temptation, strategic level, right, spiritual warfare going on, the devil himself coming against the Son of God, and what he says is, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every rema that proceeds from the mouth of God. What happens is in that moment, the Spirit speaks to the Son and says to him, that verse in Deuteronomy applies to this situation, and it will defeat the enemy. In every single case, that's what happens. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 17. The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, right? Talks about put on the whole spiritual armor of God. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 17. Verse 17, take on the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. You'd think it's this. It's not this. It's what? you got to have the answer to this one. It's like, it's, this is a cake job, right? It's got to be Rima because that's what I'm talking about, right? So it says, but by every Rima that proceeds, right, from the mouth of God. Ephesians chapter 6, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Rema of God. How do I win the battle in spiritual warfare? God speaks to me. I'm re so I'm reading my Bible, I'm studying my Bible, and a situation arises, and the Holy Spirit says, this verse is for this situation. This is going to get you out of this mess. See how that works? It's not a random verse, you know, like open up the Bible, see where it falls open. Hey, if that works for you, I'm, I think it's cool. I just don't know how to make, it, how to make that work all the time. Faith is the currency of heaven. If you go into a foreign country, you have to get a euro, you have to get a, a ruple, you have to get something to exchange to buy something. If you're going to get something from heaven, you have the only currency you can use is faith. You can cry all you want, you can be depressed all you want, you can say, poor me, you can be victim, and you can blame God, and you'll never get an answer to prayer. You can only get an answer by faith because only it, only it buys what's in heaven for you on earth. Great faith makes people uncomfortable. You start exercising great faith, you start saying what God's going to do, you'll see people try to talk you out of it right and left. They go, I don't, don't you think that's kind of big, preacher? You don't, you don't think that's going to happen, do you? All I see is a snowball. That dude is rolling snowballs. I left the land of snowballs for a reason. I didn't like snow. And now i got a great illustration that's built around faith on it so I can just double up my efforts. When I left New Jersey, I gave my, my rock salt and my, my little sh snow shovel to my worship pastor, and I said, God bless you. I will never do this again. Nothing is impossible with God. Let me show you a video here. We, uh, we, we, we believe the prayer wall is a touch point of faith. Took off, didn't it? We believe uh, that, that the prayer wall is a touch point of faith. So we're doing some recordings around, built around the prayer wall and our prayer wall movement. And I want you to see a video. Uh, sorry, Melissa, I hope this doesn't make you uncomfortable here, but it's you. Let's watch the video. Downs. Uh, I've been a police officer with the Anaheim Police Department for 12 years. I married. My husband is also a police officer, and we have two little boys. 
I actually didn't really develop uh, such a strong prayer life until I started attending this church. And before I would just, you know, pray in the morning and pray before I go to bed. But now I pray all day. My prayer life has really grown a lot. Constantly I'm getting texts and phone calls throughout the week. You know, we're praying for you, especially with the recent incidents. A lot of outpour of support and prayers, which means a lot because you never know when you're going to encounter something dangerous. So knowing that people are praying for you and that God's with you, no matter what happens, is, is a huge part of my life. Without it, I don't think I could do this job. Police officers are human too, so we get scared, we get nervous, we get anxious. So there's times when I could be driving to a call or hear something go out of the radio, and I know it's going to be something probably, probably bad. And uh, just instantly, I just start praying. Um, and it always calms me down and helps me. And I can pray for my partners and, and anyone else that might be involved. The prayers I put in the wall are more for people to uh, come to know Christ. Uh, there's been a few where people have needed healing that we're still praying for. Uh, people that I've put in the wall for salvation, they've actually come to church a couple times here. So I know it works. Um, we hear all the stories every Sunday, and so it should be should be called the miracle wall instead of the prayer wall, you know. So it's awesome to see that, and it's an awesome part of this church. I actually grew up with my parents, both of my parents praying with us before bed, and that's something I've continued with my kids, and uh, they usually pray for mommy and daddy's safety at work every night. Police officers in general need all the prayer we can get right now. The recent um, shootings in Dallas is something we've never really seen before where police officers are being snipered from a building. Uh, it's scary, but we know that there is a lot of support and prayers going out for us. Specifically, I would say that people, for people to pray for favor with the police department, we need favor. We need favor with the media, with the president, with the public just so people can put their trust and their faith back in us and we can start to move on from all the, the horrible incidents and tragedies that have happened over the past week. You can tell people are a little more anxious and upset right now around the department. I tell people, hey, I'm praying for you, you know, anything you need help with, uh, just being there for them. Most of the department knows I'm a Christian, so they can come to me if they need prayer, but I think just a simple statement like, hey, I'm praying for you, uh, it goes a long way. My name is Marissa Downs, and this is my prayer wall story. telling you, prayer and faith is where it's at. Last week, we showed you um, a diagram of Dallas, and we showed you the connection between the Dallas shooting of the police officers and of JFK, and we made note that it was only three-tenths of a mile apart. We believe that there are portals of good um, where, where God's kingdom and presence is more realized. We also believe that there are, because of demonic forces we work against, there are places where evil happens. This is very coincidental. In my writing of this book that I'm uh, trying to finish up by September, I'm doing a lot of research on this. And so I came across this uh, next slide, this next map. And um, 
the uh, shooting at the at the mall in Munich. Um, it's interesting. In 1972, there was a um, uh, the Olympics were held in Munich, and at that there were the Palestinian group terrorist group uh, that actually assassinated um, some Israeli uh, Olympians and coach. When I did some research, I found out that that is at 80 meters apart. That actually that mall where that shooting took place is really on the old Olympic Village. And it just kind of reaffirmed that there are portals of darkness in our world that we can overcome by prayer. We can bring the presence of God in. When we talk about an open heaven, we talk about the presence of God. We believe that this church for some reason has been blessed by being an open heaven. I think that's why we see so many people healed in this place. Um, Let me just continue here. I've got just a little bit more I want to share with you. Um, Faith is always rewarded. You you may not have much faith. I promise you, whatever you have, it will be rewarded. Just use it. Push it forward. Hebrews 11.6 says, But without faith it is impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is. Okay, now watch what he says. In order for me to really please God, I have to believe that God is, that God exists. But the second thing, look what it says and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. I also have to believe, it says here, that he rewards those who seek him. It's a part of how God works. It's the goodness of the Father we talked about earlier. Uh, Many of you know Ruby Scroll. I've been, um, we've been praying for her for some time. On Tuesday, I just want to give you this report. At 6.08 p.m., she sent me a text, uh, Tammy and myself a text uh, last week. And she said, hey, guys, here's the update as of today. The oncologist says not to continue on the chemo because I'm, not, I'm cancer-free. No sense in having chemo for no disease, the doctor said. I'll be watched closely by having CT scans every three months and visits with him every three months as well. Praise Jesus. Please continue to pray that I remain cancer-free. It is finished. And then she followed up with an email, said, I was diagnosed with cancer in April of 2014. Within five months, I had five surgeries, countless tests, hospitalizations, followed by four months of chemo, and on and on she goes. And then she says, every time I could make it to church, I would place my prayer in the prayer wall. I also had friends and family that put prayers in the wall for, my, for me as well. Prayer is the cornerstone of my faith, um, who God uses on earth as his footstool and will incline his ear to hear the prayers of his saints. I am now cancer-free, thank God. I am moving ahead for what the Lord has in store for me. Uh, by the way, they went into that surgery last week expecting to see that malignant cancer, and the doctor was pretty surprised, and that's when he made the decision that the cancer was gone. So they had every intention of putting her on chemo and continuing this process. So it was a miracle. All I know is his mercy has sustained me. I continue to hide under the shadow of the Almighty as no foe can withstand. With long life, he will bless me according to Psalm 91. He can do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ever ask or think. I want you to know the kingdom of God is here now. It's like a fast-moving train. It's here. It's going to keep moving. And heaven is crowded with blessings. He just wants to bless us. If you understand the goodness of the Father, you understand that. When you don't understand it, you look at the goodness of the Father and you think he's wrong because he hasn't blessed you somehow or you don't know how to get there. There is a language of faith. Once you understand that language of faith, it's like Spanish. Once you learn Spanish, you can speak to people who speak Spanish. Once you understand the language of faith, you can speak to the Father about faith and about bringing heaven down on earth. The benefits of the kingdom are available to all. There's nobody that's, that God doesn't want to bless with this, this principle. He just wants to do that because he's a good father. A, a couple of life applications. First of all, expect the impossible. Don't expect the, you know, just expect the impossible to happen. 
Just say, you know, I just think the impossible happens all the time. That's why I'm a believer. That's why we're called believers, because we believe that stuff that everybody else thinks is crazy. Amen? So you're not a doubter. Jesus said, hey, come be my doubters. So no, come be my believers. Come follow. Do you believe? Then act like it. Confess it. Say it. Speak it. Live it. What if I don't feel like it? Say it. Confess it. Speak it. What if it's not working? Say it. Confess it. Speak it. Well, what if nobody likes it? Say it. Confess it. Speak it. Amen? You just got to believe. Amen? I believe in the darkest room that God is going to be there. If you move, God will move. God waits for you. Just move a little bit. Move in your faith a little bit. Say, God, I don't even know what to do. I don't even know what faith is. I don't know how to put It's a slippery thing, faith is. When the moment you think you have it, somebody comes along and rolls a snowball down the hill. Right? Don't worry about it. Don't worry about you how you feel. Speak it. Say it. Believe it. Amen? Okay, I want you to stand with me. We're going to do a little exercise here in faith. I'm going to read a quote to you from Mark Batterson, and then I'm going to give you the exercise. Just with your eyes closed, just listen to this quote. You cannot build God's reputation if you aren't willing to risk yours. There comes a moment when you need to make the call or make the move. If you don't take the risk, you forfeit the miracle. I found that when we ask God for what is the obstacle, what do we really need to see God do, the foundational thing God always reveals quickly and right at first. And then what we do is we reason about it and we talk ourselves out of it or find something else. So here's what I want you to do. I want you just to, to ask God right where you stand or sit this question. God, what is it that I need to exercise my faith in right now to move, move the most forward in my faith? What is the one thing I need to see from you? Just ask the Spirit of God just to say it to you right now. Okay? Now, some of you, God just instantly showed you something. Don't try to talk yourself out of it. The language of faith is when God reveals, he reveals quickly. And then the, the language of man is we try to talk God out of what he revealed. Okay? How many of you feel like God showed you something? All right? We're not trying to get you to reveal what it is. Just God showed you something pretty quickly. Okay. Now, here's what I want to do. I want to I I I dive in a little bit deeper. Okay? If you didn't hear from God right then, I want you to just to say, just ask that same question to God. Would you just reveal to me what it is I need to believe you for? Okay, just ask him again. Now, you didn't hear the first time. You're just going to say, God, would you show me something? Okay. Anybody on that second round, anybody else feel like God maybe showed him something on that second round? Okay, yeah, that's good. That's good. See? It's risky. This is risky stuff. This is faith. Okay? Now, here's what I want you to do. Every one of you, I want you to take that thing that you, that you feel like God showed you, and I want you just to offer it up to him right now, just, just in your own heart. Just speak it out loud. You can just spoffily just say, you know, what it is. You don't, say it soft enough so your neighbor doesn't hear it, but loud enough so you know you're praying. Okay? Okay. Go ahead and just say it out loud. Just all, everybody at once, it's fine. 
You might even be praying the guy next to you, the gal next to you, that they get a, a word because you're feeling good about how your faith is going, but they, you know that they're, they're struggling. Father, we offer this to you right now. We offer it to you in faith. We offer it to you believing, God. Would you take what we offer you, God? And I just say in Jesus' name, may heaven come to earth, may the two collide, and may the, the powerful, the real, and the true kingdom of God prevail in every person's life who's offered in faith, regardless how little, God, they've offered in faith, believing you for great and mighty things. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. You know, we love you guys. So glad to be with you today. I hope you were challenged in your faith. Let me ask you this. If you can receive this message of faith today, would you just say amen? Just, see, that's an act of faith right there. I just receive it. I didn't say, do you understand it? I receive this idea of faith, and I'm just going to, I'm going to pull it in my life. That's an act of faith. If you can say, I receive it, would you just say amen? Amen. All right. Hey, we want you to go out today blessed of the Lord. We want you to have a great weekend. If you haven't signed your kids up for camp, let's get them signed up. If you haven't visited our coffee shop, go by and, and uh, have some coffee. Amen. Some of you just need it. Amen. Hey, the band's going to play as you go. God bless you. Have a wonderful day in the Lord.